Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 66 is Lee Garbutt of God is a Geek, Pughoof Gaming, and also the Retro Game Discussion Podcast. Busy boy. Fingers and many pies. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome along. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You were one of the first who uh, I, put, I put a shout out a few weeks back saying, would anyone like to join me? listen to some tunes and uh, share their favourite video gaming soundtracks and that sort of thing. And you were one of the ones who contacted me. So, uh, yeah, welcome along. And I do uh, two questions. Question one, uh, when you say, say garbut, do you say garbut or do you, do you emphasise the but? Um, the first thing's, the first one's fine for me, yeah, really. Yeah, it's, sure. I get it quite a lot. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, and <laughs> are you any relation to Luke Garbutt, the uh, Fulham footballer? Um, um, no, not not at all, as far as I know. Anyway, oh. um, the thing is about the, the the surname is it's um it's not overly common, but it, it does pop up every now and then. So I do get the odd yeah. people ask me, oh, is that is this you know this person or is this person related to you? So yeah, I've had it. It's quite quite a weird one. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know the etymology? I'm quite um, interested. In I think it's thing. German. I think I think it's um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it stems from there. So I've, I think I've got like German and Italian uh, lineage somewhere far down the line. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an unusual one. I believe I'm a quarter German um, on my father's side, but uh, I've, I've never known that side of the family, so I don't know. Um, but mm. I was I was hoping to claim uh, EU uh, membership post Brexit <laughs> by being a quarter German, but apparently not even being a half German. Uh, no, you need to be a half German. A quarter is not good enough. Ah. Uh, so yeah, it's not going to work for me, unfortunately. But I do have a German GCSE, Grade C, uh, which it's is a start. 
Yeah, it's a start. Uh, yeah, so we heard there, uh, I have Newt, I cast a hex on you, grandma's wig, etc. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't let yourself be fooled by her innocent demeanour. Ashley! Uh, now, the lyric, that's the uh, translated version of the lyrics, as you heard there, the English version. Um, the Japanese version is always fun to listen to as well. Um, but actually, the direct translation of the uh, Japanese lyrics uh, tell a completely different story, really. I mean, based around the same idea of this girl mm. called Ashley. But it, but it doesn't... Um, the the, the localisation being what it is uh, in Wario, uh, most Nintendo first-party games, uh, they've actually made some, you know, some quite good references and, and gags in there. So, uh, so you're a fan of Ashley's song that was the first track you've brought for us so what is it about that one that uh, made you want to start our show with it um I'm a big fan of the WarioWare series um especially touched um I think it is a mm. wonderful um uh, kind of way to to uh, to show somebody a, a DS when it came out was was that game just because it sort of showed you everything the DS could do in one handy little kind of series of mini games. And yeah. I love everything that intelligent systems do. I love the sort of sense of humor. Yeah. And as you said earlier, I like this, the, the localization they do is always wonderful. Um, they sort of get that kind of sort of humor across. Um, and all those Wario away games are just absolutely fantastic. They're just hilarious, good fun to play. Um, and I can just never get enough of them really. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, well, we're recording on the Sunday of the week in which uh, the next Nintendo machine was announced, which looks like it's going to be both their next machine in the home and uh, out and about, the uh, the Switch. So uh, a WarioWare surely seems like a, a natural fit. We had smooth moves early on in the Wii's life. Uh, we had the less well-received, uh, whatever it was called. the, the Game the, and the, Wario. Game and Wario, which is not technically part of the same series but it's a sort of slight sidestep in some ways um we covered the entire warrior series on uh, on our other cane and rinse uh, podcast cane and rinse back in uh, issue 165 in march 2015 um and yeah we we didn't give a lot of time to uh, game and wario we talked more about the the we talked mainly, uh, in fact, about the original GBA game, which I, I think remains an absolute stonewall uh, handheld classic. It certainly does. And if you have a GBA Micro in your in your in your console collection, which I'm sure you do, oh yes, uh, or, or an SP or both, uh, Wario, the original WarioWare is still a lovely thing to have on it, or just play it on on your Wii U yeah. gamepad as well. Uh, and if you can but, find a copy, Twisted mm. is is absolutely amazing. Like it's it's not yeah. easy to get hold of at times, mm. but if you can find a cartridge of that, it's just absolute hilarious fun. Um, it's sort of motion gaming before the Wii and it's just yeah. it's just very, very odd. And some of the things they do with some of those levels, like there's a, there's a Mario mini game where you're sort of tilting the, the, the console to move the, the, the world one, one around so that Mario can kind of uh, get through it and it's all sorts of stuff like that. It's, it's a very interesting take. Yeah, I imported it back in the day uh, and finished it and uh, passed it on to a friend. Um, but yes, there's it's, a, it's the kind of game that can't really ever come out on anything else because it doesn't work... With the tech, as it were, uh, no, you can't no. you can't emulate it because the, the 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 mechanics are all based on the the odd clickety clackety motion control thing that exists in the cartridge. That's right. Yeah, but yes, it was a, it's a uniquely tactile game because you could like you can you could feel it tilting because it had a little, sort of little vibrate-y motor in it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, I'm trying to think of any other games sort of use anything similar. I'm sure there was a, a Yoshi game that did a similar thing. I think, um, but. 
yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing, like for the with the GBA having some of those cartridges with a you know, with that kind of tilt function, very odd. Kirby's um, Tilt and Tumble was the other one, wasn't it? Ah, Where yes. you flicked flicked Kirby up in the air, uh, which was also a cool idea. But I think the visibility on the screen sometimes rendered things a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you got to be very tricky. careful with the game you sort of use that with, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, Excellent stuff. But yes, WarioWare touched. Um, most recently, I played it on. Uh, on my 3ds because it's one of the it's one of the few sort of tangibly decent rewards to my mind that you can actually get on the new um my nintendo sort of rewards system yes uh there's a downloadable uh, version of the dsiware uh, version of that game so uh so i had it on the, the the original ds cart back in the day but now i've got it as the the sort of the, the i think it's slightly cut down version but i think I think it's fairly substantial anyway anyway dsiware version so yeah you can get that if you've saved up enough um uh, you know nintendo space coins or whatever they are by <laughs> interacting with with meverse or or um mitomo well, see i could i can't even remember what it's That's called it. now, if, if you're still uh, playing it by now yes you can yeah <laughs> drifted away from that indeed yeah sadly so um yeah so that was a sort of continuation of uh really uh you will have enjoyed uh listeners uh well hopefully you enjoyed halloween last weekend if you're listening to this when it came out and uh last week's uh, now, traditional two years in Halloween special, courtesy of Ryan. Uh, he loves all that stuff. Uh, I say Ryan, it was, of course, uh, presented by uh, the um, the very real uh, spectral character of uh, Huel Wuthering, I'm sure. Uh, but you'll know more about that than I will at this time because I haven't heard it yet. Moving on, uh, something completely different, uh, interspersing our picks from Lee here with a request from the forum. As always, we have a new... Uh, requester, I believe, called Sam Huat, who requests a track from uh, from software. Sam says, I spotted this lonely game on a shelf and it pulled me in to have a closer look. It was Armoured Core for answer. Uh, what would be the first of my From Software titles? The gameplay was satisfying and I enjoyed figuring out the intricacies of the system and the lore, but there were times that it would just get too much for me. I realised that my repeated failure in later sections meant that there were things I should know about in this game but just didn't yet, things I just couldn't solve. It needed more of me and I put it down. That was many years ago now but I do occasionally return to it if only to see that mesmerising title screen. Subtlety is its power, the detailed face of a mech under spotlight with this mysterious piano melody ringing over. From software are specialists at crafting something to be cryptic and vague yet rewarding, I still hope to return to and understand this armoured core, and this track reminds me of that unsolved mystery.
track from Kota Oshino. Hoshino, my mistake, forgive me. Uh, yes, yeah, so Armored Core for Answer, the long-running giant mech battling series that I must admit I've never engaged with. Uh, the limits of my giant robots are pretty much virtual on uh, the, the Sega game, which is a bit more immediate mm. and uh, bashy-smashy. Uh, you a giant robots kind of guy? Um, I mean, who doesn't like giant robots? But I must admit, Armored True. Core isn't isn't a, um, a, a series I'm, I'm particularly familiar with other than knowing that it exists. Yeah. Um, but choice like anything with giant robots is, is usually pretty damn good in my books. Front Mission, any of those, anything like that? I vaguely remember playing the Super Nintendo version mm. when it was translated, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the earlier ones, I think. But again, that's not really a series that I've um, sort of pursued much. When I was in uh, Japan, which was 10 years ago now, uh, over, in fact, uh, you still see a lot of uh, giant robot Gundam-related stuff, particularly in the arcades and uh, and certainly in, in the, the shops uh, of Akihabara and places like it. Uh, just not there's anywhere quite like Akihabara. But, uh, of course. But, yeah, robots, uh, big robots, still very much a thing. But obviously the, the Armoured Core series uh, now has been, I think we've discussed this on other podcasts that we've done has kind of uh, taken a backward step while uh, from software made made hay while the sun shined with uh, with the souls games and bloodborne as well of course uh, but who knows maybe maybe vr uh, now that that's a thing in the homes in people's houses vr is the way to get people back into giant mechs well or even better as we mentioned the switch earlier from software are a confirmed developer for the ah, switch so maybe yeah. even armored core for the switch you never know mm-hmm. strange yeah. things have happened it's true we still don't know the full functionality obviously you may know a little more in 10 days time but i i actually you probably won't because i i believe they're not going to reveal much more about the machine um until next year now but mm. we don't actually know we know pretty much that it isn't going to be like you can have one screen a la the gamepad with maps or inventories on it so it's not gonna you're not gonna necessarily be able to have um like a, a say a, a mech dashboard on one screen and the game on the uh you know the gameplay on on the big screen because i don't think it's going to work like that but we don't know for instance if the touch if the if the the, the, the handheld screen is going to have touch capability or anything like that they didn't show it in that first advert but then there's a lot of things they didn't show yeah in that first and, and the things that they're categorically not confirming or denying you know it's in typical nintendo style so yeah so yeah we've got a bit of a wait till we find out more i guess uh it's exciting though i think i mean yeah. it's it's kind of much much what i was led to believe was coming but it was nice to see it uh it was nice to see a mainly positive response not not 100 which i think is good i think uh, on the side of caution i think investors are slightly uh less than 100 convinced at this point but uh but yeah, we'll see. Um, most most of the feedback on our forum and and uh, other social spaces were was definitely erring on the positive side. Um, before the day started, there were there were talk from from one or two people, editor Jay being one of them, that uh, that they were they thought that the Red Dead Redemption Two trailer might just absolutely spank Nintendo's mm. uh, announcement and steal its thunder. But I think I think it's safe to say. That didn't happen. <laughs> no, and I'm surprised actually. That even surprised me that um, that sort of the, the whole day's social media was dominated by um, by Nintendo, which is a, a, a rarity it seems, unless it's Pokemon Go. 
Yeah. But, um, but there's a lot to be excited about, I think. But there's also a lot of questions um, that even even that three minute trailer couldn't quite tell us. But yeah, it's nice to have questions. It's nice to be intrigued about a new bit of hardware again. Uh, it's nice to not have something leak as well, like you know, mm. um, or at least not not in this kind of state that um, we've got copies no. going in CEX for sale and things. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody was pointing out on our forum earlier uh, that there is a an unexplained um, dubri of some kind on the underside of the machine, <laughs> and and I pointed out that um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because I, th- I believe uh, you back me up on this. A number of consoles over the years have have had dubris of various descriptions, slots, and things on the underside that have never been used. <laughs> That's like they right. Were there, they were there on the off chance that uh, they might get you know. Uh, expanded upon in some way, but some of them remain forever uh, just slots to gather dust. (laughs) That's it. All right. Sticking with Nintendo, well, platform-wise anyway, if not developer-wise, your next pick, what have you brought for us? So I've picked something from a game that... um... It's sort of a side story to a huge, massive JRPG series, that, um, but a, an entry that not many people have probably played or even heard of. So this, the game in question um, in Europe was known as Mystic Quest Legend. Um, in um, in America, it was called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. And I believe in Japan, it was called Final Fantasy USA. Um, so, right. And that sort of yeah. gives you an idea of what this game is. It's basically, um, it's a very much like a, a beginner's Final Fantasy, if you will. Um, I guess it was an experiment to try and simplify Final Fantasy so that Westerners could fully understand and appreciate it. Uh, and, and to that, I think Mystic Quest does that very, very well. It's um, it's very, very incredibly minimal. You know, you've got your numbers, you've got your turn-based gaming, um, you've got your, you know, your armor, your equipment, your weapons, your items and all that stuff. But everything around that is very simplified. You have a two-person party at all times. Uh, and even then you don't, you know, although you will meet many party members throughout your journey, um, that you are assigned a party member. And then, and members will come and go throughout the story, um, but you've still got you know two members at any one time. So it's 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 very very simple, very simple magic, very simple weapons. Um, you've got some of those kind of Final Fantasy tropes in terms of uh, you know weaknesses and to, to to spells and weapons. So if you meet a a, a, a turtle type en- uh, enemy, for example, they'll be weak to axes and you know fire enemies are weak to, to ice and, and all that sort of stuff. Really, it's mm. um. It's a very weird game. The only, the only reason I came into contact with was because it actually came in a double pack with A Link to the Past, which oh, which nice. is a hell of a double pack, I must admit, to, uh, to have the game that I wanted, which was Link to the Past. And, mm. oh, it comes with this um, JRPG, which I've never I've never played a JRPG before at this time. This was when I was about eight years old. And, and that, yeah. sort of, that introduced me to the whole genre as a whole. And, you know, as I later realised, Final Fantasy. Was that both games on the same physical cartridge? No, no, it was um, it was some kind of weird kind of bundle in Toys R Us. Right. Where it was just, it was, you know, right. just, just separate boxes. They were just kind of cellophane yeah. together. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like yeah, 30 yeah. quid at the time, which is about I think, nice. 94, 95, I think it was. Yeah. So it was, a, again, hell of a deal. Yeah. Um, but going to the track that I've picked, um, it's uh, a track called Last Castle, and it's pretty self-descriptive, to be honest. Um, it, it's, it's taken from the final areas of the game. And the soundtrack to... Uh, Mystic Quest is pretty damn good. It's not a, it's not a Nobuo Uematsu kind of joint here. It's mm. it's uh, it's a few different um, composers. And um, this track is by uh, Ryuji Sasai and Yashihiro Kawakami. 
Um, but it's, it's the way it uses some of those kind of SNES samples. Um, it's a very, I think the, the way I can subscribe, uh, kind of describe the soundtrack to this is there's a lot of um, very 80s inspired hair metal. It's, mm. it's got that sort of uh, kind of, kind of feel to it and it's kind of nice actually it's kind of quite cool um some of the battle themes in this game are, are just really awesome the the final battle is, is pretty epic um but i've settled on the last castle um just because it's it's just a really sort of it, it makes you think of van halen actually yeah it's definitely yeah. got that sort of feel to it and i, I kind of like it Yeah, so 1992, we were only just out of the 80s after all, so I think that's fair enough, uh, from uh, Ryuji Sasai and Yasuhiro Kawakami, Last Castle. Am I right in thinking that, was was that the sequel to a Game Boy game? Yes, so there, there was... There was also called Mystic Quest in the West, confusingly, is that right? That's right, there, there was yeah. a Mystic Quest um, adventure, I want to say. Oh, okay, yeah, it could be right. Yeah, yeah. something like that, I can't remember, and, and it's all, I think some of them are mixed in with Final Fantasy Adventure in my memory, mm. in memory so it's all sort of... And the lineage is, is is kind of very confused in my brain. I always get confused between the, the Mystic Quest on the Game Boy and the, and the Final Fantasy yeah. ones on the Game Boy yeah. as well, it's all very confusing. 
To be honest, I wouldn't mind because, uh, you know, I still pl- I play some JRPGs. Uh, we talk about them a lot on Sound of Play and the fact that we don't do them that much on Cane and Rinse because they're so enormously time consuming. And in some ways, uh, you know, there, there are there are barriers to playing them in 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 uh, in 2016 because, you know, certain of their mechanics perhaps are now, you know, are a bit archaic and, and a bit difficult to overcome, especially those notorious difficulty spikes. So. So in some ways, I quite I quite hanker for a kind of a, a simplified mm. JRPG because a lot of although the, the the sort of the complex systems that are present in the modern ones are interesting if you have time to devote to them, um, the simple satisfaction of of leveling up and you know kitting out your party and all that sort of thing, um, there's fun to be had there too. So. Um, I suspect this kind of thing exists maybe in the independently developed space, the sort of slightly less um, full full on. I think the last, I'm trying to think, the last JRPG I played uh, was probably Tales of Zillia, which is in the in the, the long running Tales series. Yes. And, um, and you know, it, it's it, it's very much uh, as you'd expect, and it's you know it's well made and all that sort of thing. But uh, but it's still very easy to get kind of a little bit. I find you know obviously. Fans will disagree, but I find it easy to get driven away by the grinding and that, those aspects. Yeah, a lot of those sort of mechanics in in JRPGs tend to get more complicated. They're sort of stepping away from, uh, you know, those simple kind of turn-based systems of old and kind of going into further things. I mean, I've, I've just recently started playing Final Fantasy XIII. Um, yeah, ah, okay. yeah. it's one of those games that I've always sort of had, but um, yeah, uh, it's, it's been on my pile of shame for so long. I mm. thought I'd actually kind of try and get further than I'd ever got. Um, so I'm, I think I'm up to like chapter nine or ten at the moment, um, and it's quite nice to play a game like that for kind of a few years removed from mm. all the hype and and the, yes. and the cynicism uh, about that title and actually play it. Um, yeah. But you know the because it is the battle system is so departed from those other Final Fantasy games, it's it mm. takes a bit of a while to get used to. And instead of like oh, there's just like an auto battle function, and I just have to sort of pick my roles randomly and rather than um, you know, just individually putting in each command at once. Um, it's a bit of an adjustment. Um, but then, you know, there's definitely room for a simplified sort of uh, JRPG. I mean, the Bravely Default series on the mm. on the 3DS yes. games, they're, they're sort of, I think, the closest I've sort of felt to those, uh, those 16-bit JRPGs. Mm. And, um, and those are fantastic if, if anyone hasn't played both that and its uh, sequel, Bravely Second. Um, the 3DS is a good place for uh, those sort of JRPGs, I think. Yeah, sure is. But yeah. Yeah, my mum bought me Bravely Default some years back and I still haven't played it. Sorry, mum. Uh, not that she listens to Sound of Play, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, so are you past the point in Final Fantasy Thirteen, which I haven't played? Uh, there's a famous point where it, it, after about 15 hours of tutorial or something, it opens up into the full game. Have you, is that how far you are? I believe I'm almost there. I think it starts okay. to open up around chapter 10, 11, I think, and I'm not. I'm almost there. So that I've sort of gone past most of the tutorial areas and I'm starting to get more power over my uh, of what I can level up now. So uh, I, I must almost be at that point. Ah, interesting. Well, I uh, hope you continue to enjoy it. Sounds mm. good. Uh, sticking with Square and Final Fantasy. In fact, uh, we have a request from the forum from Toki, uh, and this is from Final Fantasy X, and Toki simply says, quite lovely.
Final Fantasy X there, the score by Masashi Hamauzu. That was a game we were just talking about, Final Fantasy XIII, uh, because we were talking about Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which possibly isn't actually really a Final Fantasy game. Anyway, uh, without going down that rabbit hole again, <laughs> Final Fantasy X um, was a game where I, I think one of the reasons that... Because I, I put like 55 hours into it, but it never opened up. Like it, it just... It just stayed linear um mm. and the, and i got to a it, it seemed to anyway like I, I i was expecting to gain freedom of movement at some stage but it never seemed to arrive uh and i got to a point where there was a battle that i just couldn't win and i couldn't work out there didn't seem to be a place to grind so i was kind of i was kind of st- Duck. So I don't. I don't know whether that was me or, or the game. Um, I'm tempted, you know, someday to, uh, to return. Obviously, it's a game that's now available on, um, contemporary formats. Uh, and I obviously was enjoying it for you know fifty odd hours. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, RPGs and JRPGs. It's uh, it's the same old story that you've heard podcasters say a million times. Uh, they 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 don't tally very well with having a adult life <laughs> so true i mean unless it's a it's a portable game that i can take with me on the bus to work and back it's uh, it's very hard for me to sit down and actually play a, a play a jrpg for any considerable length of time which is a shame because there's been some fantastic ones over the past near five ten years that i've just completely missed out on yeah yeah <sighs> retirement beckons uh, <laughs> another, well for me in a mere 25 years or so uh yeah looking forward to it uh so next up we have something actually it's by by the standards of the genre it's not a short game but uh something that's uh more playable in bite-sized chunks and this was from the 2010 downloadable title scott pilgrim versus the world the game yes so um it's I really like Scott Pilgrim the movie. Um, I like the the, the the graphic novel, and I like this game. Uh, it yeah. sort of brought back a lot of those fond memories um, of you know playing those sort of side scrolling uh, you know brawlers, such as the Streets of Rages, the final fights out of there. Um, and more importantly, because it was a co op game, and um, it was nice to be able to drag my or my my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. Um, to, to play play this with me together in a cult fashion that you know yeah because i don't you know, i like playing my play games but i sort of like the cult aspect more cause, and, and so does my wife for that matter and it was nice just to sort of play this sort of very cartoony ode to those those, those games um yeah. what particularly made it great for me was that soundtrack um by the band anna managuchi uh, who mm. are a sort of kind of like a, almost like a punk band but they actually use an, a real ness um, while they're playing their music as well as guitars and that so they've really got this really fantastic sound that evokes these uh, retro nest games but then it's all kind of guitars and kind of almost like punk kind of music in the background as well um, and the, the whole soundtrack to this game is by them and it's fantastic like again it's it sounds modern but retro at the same time just in the same way the, the game itself with its mechanics feels modern and retro as well um, and it's such a perfect marriage of the two um, it's a fantastic use of the license um, you know but it takes parts of mainly the uh, the, the comic book uh, and it uses those visuals to such great effect um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful game. Um, but the track I have picked is um, is from the first level in the game, um, and it's called Another Winter. Uh, and I like it because it's such a kind of happy, bouncy kind of track. 
um, that sort of sets you off on a really kind of good start. Like, yeah, here we go. We're going to go play this game now. I was really happy. Um, you know, we're going to have lots of fun. Um, and it's, it's just an amazing track. In fact, we liked it so much that we actually added it to our wedding playlist. So lots of very nice. confused people uh, when, <laughs> when this came on. Did you have to defeat your, your now wife's seven evil exes to... Uh... Thankfully not. That that was um that wasn't a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Another Winter by uh, the New York Collective, Anamanaguchi. Uh, that was our first non-Japanese track of the show, and uh, but most enjoyable it was, certainly uh, infused and inspired with uh, retro charm. Um, I think, I have a feeling Scott Pilgrim vs. The World was given away with PlayStation Plus when PlayStation Plus was a new thing, because um, I definitely have it in my library, mm, but yeah. I don't remember playing paying for it, so yeah. Uh, check it out if you're the kind of person like me who uh, habitually adds everything that gets released on PS Plus and Games with Gold uh, to their library, even if they have no intention of ever playing it. <laughs> uh, not that that's the case with Scott Pilgrim, because I have played it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, right, a complete crashing change of mood and tone, as we like to do on Sound of Play. And, and a request from the forum, and good shot, Jansen. 
wants something from Silent Hill. One of my favourite moments from the Silent Hill series also makes me sick inside the abandonment of Lisa Garland. This is Not Tomorrow by, of course, Akira Yamaoka. We covered the entire Silent Hill series on our other podcast, Kana Rince. Uh, Lee, our guest there, was saying about um, playing Final Fantasy XIII uh, some years after the both the hype and the backlash have died down, and that is what we do on Kana Rince. We tend to cover things when they're at least normally, I think, a minimum of six months, but normally a couple of years or more old and sometimes much, much older than that. Starting in uh, podcast number 151, we did the original Silent Hill and then we worked our way through the entire series all the way to the uh, the less well-received later entries in the series. Uh, and it was very interesting. And some of the games that we didn't necessarily think would be uh, so interesting created perhaps some of the more uh, fascinating discussion and by the end we were uh, exchanging with uh, Tom Hewlett the executive producer of of uh, Homecoming and or Downpour and uh, it was really yes, interesting stuff so uh, yeah check those podcasts out on our Cane and Rinse feed uh, are you a survival horror man 
I I like a few survival horror games, but I think my problem with Silent Hill is that when it came out at the time, I didn't own a PlayStation. I didn't own mm. one until I think the mid 2000s. Um, so by the time right. I, I attempted to play Silent Hill, it mm. became very archaic. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a very hard game to sort of get you know, try and get back into if it's, um, you know, I think I tried to play it when it came out as a as a PS1 classics title on the, the PS uh, PlayStation Portable, I think. And at that point, it's um, because those controls and those graphics are very hard mm. to sort of mm. Uh, mm. To, yeah. to get used to. It's, it's a tough game. And then also I... Um, I reviewed the the collection of two and three, which and I didn't realise until I actually started playing it wasn't the best way to experience either the no, game. So um, no, sadly not. So unfortunately, my experience with Silent Hill has mainly been soured. Um, I'd had a mm. dabble of the the Wii version. I think it's Shattered Memories. I think. Yeah, interesting game. We um, also covered that one. Yeah, it does some does some odd things. It's a sort of reimagining of the first game. Yeah, I mean, it's a series that I I really love to get into, but it's it's very hard. It's there's no sort of real easy way barriers. to get into it. There's a lot of barriers. You're absolutely right. And you yeah, know, not just in terms of the and physically getting into it, but it's also that those mechanics, and that's I think the same yeah. with many other survival horror games. I think even um, you know, if you went back to try and play the original PlayStation Resident Evil, you may struggle. Oh, yeah. But it's, sure. it need, Silent Hill needs something like the Resident Evil remake, I think, because um, mm. it's a series that does deserve to exist. Um, I think there's very much a, an appetite for something like Silent Hill to continue to carry on. It's just that, that you have to do it properly. I think you have to sort of. It needs the same sort of reimagining that Resident Evil was starting to experience with its, you know, the, the upcoming release. I think it needs a, yeah. a sort of straight up reboot that just throws everything out the window and says, look, this is what we're redefining this for the new generation, but it's going to have those sort of themes. Yeah, VR style of amnesia the dark descent and uh heart attacks and yeah. lawsuits and uh, yeah well, obviously people were excited when this when the playable teaser demo came out for silent hills but um obviously since then uh it's all gone horribly pear-shaped between uh well konami and games really uh, <laughs> yeah i couldn't but, say it any better myself really uh sad i mean it's it it, it I, I try not to get too attached to these things, but Konami means or meant such a lot to me um, from, you know, the earliest of 80s. I'm talking Scramble, mm. you know, 1981 all the way through to recent times. Um, but now they really do only have uh, two IPs left, one of which it's in its uh, OTA producer has now left the company. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Kojima does. Um, so really, uh, they've got one game series left that I adore, and that's Pro Evolution Soccer. But that has been commercially completely swamped by FIFA again this year. So it looks pretty much like Konami's kind of done and dusted mm. as a as a as a developer producer of 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 you know top end video games. That's so. it. It's a very sorry state of affairs. I mean, like you when you know when you played a Konami game, when you saw that logo, it was almost oh. like a badge of honor. It was like it was Absolutely. like Nintendo seal of quality. If you knew it was yeah. a Konami game, you know, 90% of the time you were in yeah. for a fantastic time. So many franchises um, spawned from them, you know, the Contra series, of course Metal Gear. Um, some of their, you know, some of the, they did some fantastic things in the 16-bit era, like even the Tiny Toons Adventures games, which oh, yeah, totally. yeah, shouldn't have been yeah. good, but they really were fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's some of those SNES games were just amazing, and to see them mm. now, where it's just sort of like, well, Castlevania's dead and buried. Um, you know, they're sort of trying to do what they can with Metal Gear without creating, and of course, you know, as good as 
Pro Evo is, it's always going to be overshadowed by FIFA, unfortunately. So uh, it's it's sad to see them in, this, in the way they are, but some ways they sort of bring it on themselves. They they have done, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's down to shareholders, and we have to bear in mind that you know probably the vast majority of the creative talent who made all those games that we loved has moved on long moved on to other places anyway so the trick is to follow the the creative talent rather than the 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 studio label um and yeah keep an eye on you know obviously treasure the treasure is still still going they're still making games they were konami employees in in their heyday so uh and yeah obviously uh, kojima's work's going to get a lot of attention um Castlevania guy eager he's making he's making something so yeah there are ways you know there are there are still things to look forward to but the but I'm afraid that you know the great days are the great days are sadly gone yeah on a more positive note uh the independent scene is still thriving and has been for some years now um and uh one such game is Machinarium. Now, this is a game that we've had requested to cover on our other podcast, Kane and Rinse, many times. I don't think we featured any music from it before. Um, so, yeah, you've brought us a track here uh, from that game called By the Wall. Um, a favourite game, a favourite soundtrack, or a bit of everything? Um, it's a game that I must admit I haven't played in, in quite a few years, but even despite that, the soundtrack has remained on my phone, you know, my, my yeah. MP3 music player for some time. Um, just because it's one of those soundtracks that almost transcends the game itself. Mm, um, mm. So Machinarium is a, I guess, a point-and-click game of sorts yeah. where you play as a, a tiny robot called Joseph who ultimately ends up, you know, has to save his his robot girlfriend but ends up um, doing many more things on the way to that. Um, and at first glance, it's a very bleak um barren game you are you start off in pieces in a chunkyard and you actually have to sort of rebuild yourself um and from there you kind of go on these different adventures all, all the the narrative is uh, is completely through speech bubbles and sort of abstract things that go on not a word of dialogue or any sort of words in general um and like many point and click games you're kind of you're moving joseph around um but you can only click and interact with things that he can physically reach and although you can mm. you can extend his body up and down to kind of make him to kind of stretch grow and, and, and shrink and um, really you're sort of limited to where joseph can actually move to so it's quite a refreshing point and click game um at a time when we weren't getting quite as many sort of games like that this was you know this was around the time when telltale games started doing uh sam and max and bone and things like that mm. so and it's just it's a very friendly uh point and click game it's um there's plenty of hints on offer you have to play a mini game if you um, to actually get hints if you're stuck um, so it's sort of like almost like this little shoot 'em up game that you play okay. um, to actually unlock the hints as you go along, and even then it's sort of limited to. Uh, sometimes it will tell you just a, a, a rough picture of what you're supposed to do. Other times it will give you the whole solution, but it's it's always there that you'll ne- you'll never get stuck. Basically, there's always, always a way to sort of figure out what to do next, even if the game outright tells you. And for that reason, it's it's a great game to come back to even now, but especially. Um, because of that soundtrack because although the visuals are very kind of there's a bleakness to it but there's also a sense of a quirkiness to it and everything's very well animated and um, and there's everything has a sense of character but the music is this beautiful kind of array of soundscapes combined with um, more sort of melodic tracks that 
implement kind of areas of electronic music and, and classical, but it's so beautiful. If you listen to just listen to the whole soundtrack, even had not playing the game, it's a very calming um, uh, uh, soundtrack as a whole. Um, lots of kind of very calming pieces of music. Um, it's one of the most beautiful soundtracks I've ever listened to. Um, and in particular, this this track called By the Wall, which is this just very, again, bleak, but there's a sense of longing in in in, in the way that it's instrumented. It's, it's, it's just calming and it's just so wonderful. And it's one of my favourite pieces of music ever, just because it is just so, just so beautiful.
So that was By the Wall from Machinarium by Tomasz Wojak, I think. Well, that's certainly the appropriately named uh, his, his, uh, his, his, what's the word? Count, what's the word when somebody's got the same name as somebody else? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> that's, I, there's a name, there's a word there for is. it anyway. Um, yeah, uh, the composer Vorjak, uh, Hungarian, I think. Um, whereas uh, Thomas here is from the Czech Republic, so maybe the other one is too. Um, classical music is is not my forte. Also known as either Floex or Flerx, uh, clarinetist, composer, producer, and multimedia artist. His music is characterized by a unique exploration of electroacoustic nexus and emphasis on audiovisual aspects of art. Uh, he started to compose in 1996. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. And you may own that again if you're like me and uh, you just add everything that PlayStation throws your way and every other service. Uh, I think Machinarium was a free game within the last year or so on PlayStation 3. Yeah. Possi- possibly cross by with Vita. Does it work on Vita? Pass? I'm uh, not sure. I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. Anyway, you may have it. You may have the game, which is uh, very well regarded, and uh, and yeah, that that amazing soundtrack, great pick. Thanks for bringing it. Now, our penultimate track is again something very different uh, from a new requester from the Canarince forum, canarince.com/forum, and this is requested by Kid Skidsky, who says the original song is by the Real Tuesday Weld, a British group whose forte for soft jazz and cabaret lends itself so well to the 1940s film noir aesthetic rock star created for L.A. Noir. Frankly, it's been ages since I've seen the ending to the game, but this closing track alone is enough to sustain the essence of the game long after the credits roll. The horns, the piano, the haunting croon of Claudia Brücken, all of it coalesces into something both warm and chilling. It's as if the vocals are lulling me into a false sense of security. This juxtaposition between warm versus cold is really punctuated when Brooken descends in pitch on the word kill, but swoops back up on words, the things I love. There are a number of specific moments like these leading me to wonder if Rockstar literally travelled back in time and recorded a jazz ensemble from the 1940s for this game. In any event, Andy Hale and Claudia Brooken give a beautiful rendition of I Always Kill The Things I Love.
Tuesday World there, um, Andy Hale, and I think his brother, uh, whose name I've escapes me, something Hale, uh, I actually saw them supporting, I believe, the Magnetic Fields back in probably about mid-2000s. Um, okay. And I, I don't have strong memories, but um, but I also recommend that people, uh, particularly if they enjoyed uh, Claudia Brooken's voice there, seek out a sophisticated synth-pop uh, from the eighties, propaganda, which was her band. There's a, there's a, th- their biggest hit was a track called Duel. If you just search propaganda Duel on YouTube, you'll get this uh, excellent piece of eighties pop. Um, but yes, it's it's of that sort of more, um, yeah, sophisticated. It's not cheese pop. It's 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 got a great tune and loads of hooks, but it's uh, but it's like a proper. Uh, a proper song is uh, yeah thoroughly recommend that but yes that was from L.A. Noir which we covered on the Kane and Rince podcast back in issue 98 and uh, most of us um, I think uh, that is a game that suffered quite a backlash uh, but most of us while acknowledging its uh, well-documented issues uh, I think most of us enjoyed it if I recall correctly how did you feel about uh, L.A. Noir did you get around to that one yeah I'm, I most definitely enjoyed it it's you know it is flawed there's you know, highly documented as you, as you say but it's mm. um, for what it does for painting that picture of the time frame getting you know the music exactly. even the, yeah. the sort of what we'd call cinematography that you know the colouring um, yeah. of course the motion capture which you know it, it looks a bit uncanny valley but it they've tried something and it, it to a certain extent it succeeds in what they've achieved it's just um i guess by the time it all came out it, it, it looks ever so slightly dated and, and and maybe the fact that the faces were so animated while the rest of the bodies weren't yeah. sort of detracted yeah. from that um yeah. but it's it's strange that no one sort of tried to follow up with what that game achieved um it's yeah, yeah. i mean i guess the closest i think it was really was, expensive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was, but yeah. I think with the likes of Quantic Dream um, having yeah. their own studio to do that sort of thing, uh, and mm. those they're sort of the closest people to have kind of passed that that torch yeah, on. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, games like Until Dawn have a, a similar sort of a, a effect done a bit better, um, but I'd like to see them sort of kind of someone go back to this this time frame, even not through La Noire, but mm. another sort of noir style game because it's mm. it's a it's a very under, I guess underrepresented um, um, time frame in terms of video mm. games and especially in an open world um, and format that you know, just walking around LA and, and, and you know, seeing the, the, the excess of Hollywood uh, and what mm. it did to people was something that um, so it was enthralling in itself, even without you um, kind of going through those very grisly murder cases, some, yeah. you know, some real, some fictional. Um, but it's a game that I, you know, I loved, I loved it. Um, despite its flaws, I felt it. The experience it brought um, was kind of far went beyond what any of the flaws could have taken away. Hmm. Cool. 
So, yes, listeners, as I always tell you, like our uh, track requesters from the community have done for this sound of play, do venture over to our forum at canerince.com slash forum, or you can do it on Twitter. If you use the hashtag sound of play, we'll know what you're on about. Leave us a few words uh, once you've requested a track, perhaps with a YouTube link, that's always handy, uh, and tell us why you'd like us to feature a particular piece. It can be a favourite that you love. It doesn't have to be something we've never featured before. You know, we've been going with this podcast a couple of years now. Uh, some tracks may come round again and that's fine um, or it could be a curio or something we haven't featured yet uh, anything interesting anything that's uh, amusing or lovely to our ears will be gratefully received uh, we also have a Facebook page that you can like and uh, talk to us through facebook.com slash funnily enough uh, yeah, and we'll continue to include a selection in most Sound of Play podcasts, certainly the regular ones. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us an iTunes review or rating, whatever region you're in. Uh, that's always gratefully received as well. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, If you feel that the podcasts that we provide are worth something in return for the hours we put into them, uh, the care and the love, you can donate a dollar a month or whatever you think. Uh, and it's incredibly gratefully received. So, uh, Lee, thanks for joining me. We'll talk about your final pick in a moment. But uh, before we do, uh, you've got things that you should probably tell our listeners about that are video game related. And I'm sure they'll enjoy. Oh, so many video game things. Um, so I guess if you would like to follow me personally, um, my Twitter account is at the last Metroid. Um, and I guess that's sort of all sorts of things from video games to pictures of the many animals that I have here. Um, I work for um, godisageek.com as part of their GMA nominated video team at godisageek.com. And uh, that's more sort of modern uh, games and all sorts of stuff, news, reviews, previews, podcasts, all that good stuff, really. Um, I have my own YouTube channel where I sort of kind of go back into more retro-y style things because that's sort of what well, I'm a retro gamer at heart, I must admit. Um, mm -hmm. So you can follow me there at um, Pughoof Gaming on Twitter um, or you can go to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Pughoof Gaming. Um, and finally, I am also one of the many hosts on the uh, RGDS podcast uh, at RGDS podcast on Twitter. Um, and we're also on iTunes there. So you can check out our video, again, uh, our, um, our podcast there. Lots of retro gaming stuff. Um, episodes every few days, it seems. Um, it's not just me. There's a, there's a whole team of, of hosts bringing you uh, lots of retro related discussion. So well worth checking out. I'm sure our listeners will love all that. Um yeah, even more frequent than us, possibly in uh, in output. Uh, if you, yeah, especially if you include everything. Uh, also, listeners, uh, it just so happens that the first two people who have res who responded and who I got in touch with about coming on Sound of Play and sharing tunes had things to plug, and that's brilliant and absolutely fine. But you don't have to. You don't have to have stuff that you want to. If you want to come on here and just talk about the video games music, that's fine too. Just so as you know, just so you don't <laughs> think this is only for people with uh, with you know, extracurricular activities. Uh, yeah, and thank you to uh, all listeners and all community contributors. Keep them coming because without you, we have uh, either a much shorter or a non-existent or a really self-indulgent show. So uh, we can't be doing with that. So to play us out, you have picked uh, a track from one of, if not my favourite soundtrack of all time. Mine too. So Brilliant. 
a, a, a 16-bit SNES JRPG that I am very fond of is, um, is of course, Seiken Densetsu 2, or for, for those of us on the Western Shores, Secret of Mana. Um, it was a game that I, I picked up for £5 on a boot sale many, <sighs> many years ago. Um, and I fell in love with it. Um, and it's one of those games that I've just loved for, for many, many decades now. And it's, it's great. It's sort of, it's scratched again. It was while I was still discovering JRPGs, it came along at just the right time as I was kind of coming away from, uh, linked to the past moving on to in this game. And it's sort of kind of, it's nice little blend of the action style of Zelda. Same here. That's right. It's sort of pathway. I think, yeah, it's just so well put together. It's, it's development itself is, is maybe possibly a bit rocky being a mm. allegedly for the, the the snes playstation um before being uh, uh sort of chopped up a little bit with fmb fmv sequences allegedly cut out um and if quite a few bugs remaining um the translation was done in about 30 days because it was quite a bit of a rush job yeah. um so you know it's it's not it's not perfect there are a few glitches here and there but the the gaming experience and mechanics um the let the leveling everything that sort of package that it delivers just is so wonderful especially the music which is um as i'm sure you'll agree leon is one of the most amazing soundtracks <sighs> the things yeah. that um hiroki kakuta um got out of the snes um was just amazing um i'm not sure if you're aware how the the snes soundship works from what i'm understanding it's all sample based and you could load yeah. on um different samples i think you had to go through nintendo to get the samples loaded and they sort of send it back to you um but what they did with this soundtrack was had all these very strange instruments um i think there's some sort of uh instrument that was it, it's cured over hundreds of years um and it has a very distinctive sort of sound um but there's all sorts of strange instrumentation the whole so many genres were sort of covered in this to your typical 80s style uh, J- jrpg rock to more kind of karma tracks piano tracks eerie tracks there's an entire track that is just made of percussion um, mm. which is incredible um if you like this soundtrack then check out secret of mana plus which is a 45 minute long track um, of prog rockiness which is just mm. sort of taken from parts of this game um it's just unbelievable but the track i've picked is the uh is the Thing played over the credits yeah um, it's a very interesting track again spanning lots of different genres that has many um sort of credit themes did at the time um but what i particularly like about halfway through there is the most amazing um bass solo um listen out for it because it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. it's just amazing funk slap bass oh, uh, sort of mark king level 42 style it's just incredible like, i don't know how they got that out of the super nintendo Maybe but a bit rush it's so yeah. funky it's amazing you can't help but sort of tap your toe to it and it's just but but this is called the second truth on the left all right well thanks again for joining me lee it's been a pleasure to chat games and music anytime and, uh, all right and uh yeah listeners we'll see you next time on sound of play and here's hiroki kikuti <laughs>
Thank you.